Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Today, we've got a couple of really good topics. We're going to be talking about how to improve your close rate using seven words. Just seven. Yeah. Maybe so. not the seven words all in one sentence. Right, right, right. Got to get the clickbait <laughs> title in there to make it work. But yeah, but, seven different words in different situations that you could use to get some. This reminded me a lot of the Robert Collier letter book, mm -hmm. like just these little tweaks to phrases that when you make them, yeah. um, and a couple of these have, uh, one in particular has an actual like percentage number difference that it makes. Um, a couple of these do actually. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to share those because I love, I love it when they, they've been tested and like tracked and you oh, can yeah. see a, a hard number difference Absolutely. in the effect of these words. And then after that, we'll talk a little bit about um, email CTA. So call to actions mm -hmm. that you can use in email. These are going to be mostly business to business. Both of these actually are, are more business to business. Mm -hmm. Although you could certainly use, um, I guess, in the in the words that close, you could certainly use those in, in uh, high ticket selling. Yep. Um, things like that. Anytime you're, it's basically anytime you're in a face-to-face -face or phone sales closing conversation because it's all about framing and positioning and, and mm -hmm. those kind of things. So yes, yeah, so we'll talk about the closing statements and we'll talk about some different, got a list here of 43 different email called actions. We won't go through all of them. We'll pick no, and we'll choose a few because a, yeah. a lot of them are the same, mm -hmm. just different variations. I like um, this. I got to so, print this one out too. Yeah, good little things to little references to print out and keep yeah. on hand. Yeah, throw them in a little folder so when you're on the road or whatever mm -hmm. and you're tired and you, you're not thinking straight, you can pull out. I love yeah. these kind of cheat sheets. I have folders of them next to my desk. Yes. For writing. If I get enough at one time and happen to be close to a uh, FedEx office, yeah. I'll actually have them laminated, you know, because yeah. it's like super inexpensive. You just like, so I don't get like, you don't spill coffee on them or anything like that, you know? So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this on it's, hand. It's, these are kind of fundamentals that we're going to talk about today. Well, I think yeah. the the seven words are, are pretty advanced. Mm -hmm. um, I think they call to action, email call to actions are fundamentals that we got to constantly remind ourselves sure. of. And there's a reason they keep sticking around this type of stuff is because right. they work. Well, before we dive in, it is a hot summer yes. uh, here in Austin. And I know it's hot there as well. Yep. So, uh, what kind of brewski did you pick up for, for this kind of weather? Cause we know we're not doing Russian Imperial stouts probably. <laughs> I'm doing an Imperial, but it ain't a stout. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Imperial it IPA. A, yeah. It's an Imperial IPA. <laughs> it's a hazy Imperial IPA. Um, just like the days. Yep. Just a hazy muggy day. Um, so I've got one from founders. So this kind of intrigued me because it is from founders and, uh, yeah, we kind of know them for their stouts yeah, and porters that's and right. different things. That's right. But they have a new, this one looks new. I have never seen this one before. It is a okay. founders four giants and the haze of destiny. Haze of destiny. The haze of destiny, Imperial hazy IPA. Um, that's a very out there can for founders. It is. It's different. Yeah. I mean, that they have like, like a, the uh, dirty bastard or the, um, yeah, but that's, I, so. I mean, that's, you know, they have some unique ones, but this one's got a lot of stuff going on here. It's got, yeah. And that reminds me of like, it's like clown Thor. shoes. Yep. Yeah. 
there's a brand called clown shoes or a brewery called clown shoes or mm-hmm. a line of drinks anyway. Yeah. Um, that's what it reminds me of. Cause I was actually looking at those today. I'm going to yeah, read uh, the yeah. description. It says the haze of destiny has been awakened. A big, bold, imperial, hazy IPA. Four giants and the haze of destiny is smoothed out by copious amounts of oats. I know a lot of these beer, these beer uh, marketers love to use the word copious. I've noticed that in some of their copy a number yeah. of times. So it's uh, smoothed out by copious amounts of oats and wheat to create an inviting yet mysterious haze. Don't let it fool you. This behemoth of a beer is not to be handled lightly. Fulfill your destiny with four giants, Imperial Hazy IPA. So 8.4% ABV, nice. 50 IBUs, yeah, and uh, only available from March and, well, actually March through December. So it's it's got a pretty long shelf pretty long. life there, seven, yeah. seven months. Yeah. Um, I think that's nine months, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at math. <laughs> month, month math is hard. I was over, at, uh, I was having dinner at a friend's house the other night and something happened. We were like, and he asked him the difference between two times. Cause something we had referenced earlier. Yeah. And he just routed it off. And I was like, that's pretty good. That's clock math. That's a whole different level of math. Absolutely. Like clock math. Yeah. Cause it's based on 60 minutes instead of nice, even hundreds and stuff. Right. So I was impressed. That's that All is. Right. Well, I've got a Spencer white, um, Belgian mm. style wheat ale. And this is very interesting. It says Spencer brewery located within the monastic enclosure of St. Joseph's Abbey in Spencer, Massachusetts. The Spencer brewery is the only certified Trappist brewery outside of Europe. Operated by the monks, the brewery helps to support their monastery and charitable outreach. So I am doing a good deed by drinking this go. beer today. I am supporting the monks. The monks. So that's great. And here's here's my glass. Here's to you. Okay. Got that Very definite, nice. you know, wheat ale look to it. Very nice. <laughs> Well, cheers. I forgot, I, I forgot the, uh, you, you kind of need that on, today. <laughs> I, it's funny because I almost pulled my Yeti out because I was like, the only way this is going to stay cold is if I put it in a, can I, can I turn Yeti. the face and show you closer, Sean? Look at this. <laughs> a little Jeep tumbler. Yeah. Which is cool because the rubber has, uh, it's like tire tracks. You, it's hard to see on the screen. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, all right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mine has this, has this head on it that just will not go away. But yeah. Got that action going for my fancy glass. Mm-hmm. Look at those suds uh, or those bubbles. Yeah. All right. So uh, I'll go first. I'm not a, you know, ugh. It's not great. Um, I mean, it tastes like a Belgian wheat ale, you know? So it's like the first couple <clears> sips are a little, a little tough for me to get used to, mm-hmm. but it's settling in a little bit. I'm going to, there's no like bitterness or anything like that to it. It's just more of the, that heavy wheat, you know, yeah. ale taste. So uh, I'm going to give it, I'll give it a, 
a three one. I don't want to do three. That sounds like I'm just picking the middle and not having a decision. So I'm just going to go slightly higher than that. It's mm-hmm. a little better than just nothing at all. So I'll go 3.1. 3.1. It's probably missing the orange peel. You know, I need the little mm-hmm. orange sticking out of it like a blue moon. I like this one. I'm uh, it's I'm surprised. I'll, I'm going to give this one a uh, I'm going to give this one a four. It's really Man, you you are slowly but surely sneaking over <laughs> to the IPA side. It's uh, you know, it says fifty IBUs, but I I don't. It doesn't feel like fifty IBUs. It's not that. It's not that bitter. Um, yeah, I wonder what it is that you and I don't like. We'll have to ask the next beer person we have on. Like, what is that aftertaste thing that we don't like? Yeah, we know we don't like the pine salt that's mm-hmm. in a lot of these. So maybe so that one doesn't have the piney. No, it doesn't. In fact, there's a. I get. I there's some sweetness. Well, that's the imperial part. That's true. Because it's going to have more alcohol. Yeah, because I mean, I think to get up, you know, for any diehard beer alcohol, yeah, gurus out there, I'm I'm not sure what I'm saying is true, but seems to me like the higher the alcohol, the more sugar you have to have to make sugar and yeast you have to have to make that right alcohol ferment. Makes sense. Yeah. So. it's my understanding at this point in my young life. Mm-hmm. I've got 50 years to figure it out still. So it sounds right. Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to, uh, let's start with words that close. Yeah. I love that. So I thought these were very interesting. These are just very subtle. You know what I like about this type of stuff when you're, when you're closing, when you're in a sales conversation or in a sales process, you know, if you're, if you're doing okay and you, you're pretty good, but you just want to fine tune, you don't want to relearn an entire sales system or right. entire sales philosophy. These are the kind of little things you can do to upgrade yeah. your sales. Sure. And either some of these will help accelerate the sales process. Some of them will help close. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are kind of sort of like an objection overcoming type thing, yeah. um, but not really. Right. So I'm curious, you be in the, B2B consultant sales guy um, out in the field, in the trenches, across the desk from people every week. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite of these? And then we'll circle around to some of the other ones. You know, I think I like the number, the the how, using how more often because I gravitate to the one that I don't use and think, you know what, I should be doing that more often. But um, I think it's number six, ask how more often. There's nothing wrong with letting your buyer feel in control of the negotiation. So it sometimes may feel a little uncomfortable, but when, you know, they ask for something, you know, and this comes down to, and I get into a similar situation, you know, you pretty much got the okay uh, or the yes from a general standpoint, then you're just kind of working mm-hmm. out some of the details and all of a sudden something creeps up into the uh, the details that they're expecting uh, something that was never mentioned initially in the negotiation, and it happens right. a lot of times. Uh, yep. But they want either uh, delivered pricing or something like that baked into terms. price or terms. You know, you they want ninety day or extended terms or whatever. So this says, you know, when you ask, when somebody asks you for something that can be difficult, give them the reins. You know, give them back, you know, give like hand it back over to them by asking them, how am I supposed to do that? Right. Um, you know, how can I make this happen? Right. How so. So instead of you fumbling around for, 
you know, a way to kind of smooth <laughs> that over. And like, by we didn't talk about this and, you know, never came up yeah. and you just simply asked them, well, how am I supposed to do that? You know, so you kind and of like tone, throw it back to them, right? And tone really matters here. It does. Right? It really does. It's like, you can't be a smart ass about it and be like, well, yeah. how am I supposed to do that? Right. Like, it's it's got to be the right tone. It's like, I like the, the, the other, the other question version they gave of this. It says, how can I ask my CFO to give you 30 days and erase right. the implementation? Cause it, it basically gets them on the, on the team. You know, you're, they're kind of, you're putting them on your team, so to speak. Yeah. And I think the higher the decision maker. So, you know, if you're working with the CEO or CFO or somebody like a purchasing agent, yeah, if you, they, you know, they have people that they answer to for the most part, or they're that person. Right. So if you can say, well, how, how would you propose that I, um, you know, shoot, how would you propose I get my CEO to go along with something like that? Exactly. What you're asking. Right. So if you're talking to CEO, I would say, how would you want, how would you just, how would you suggest I get my CEO to, yep. you know, give you terms and do this kind of stuff? Cause then they're putting them, then all of a sudden they've got to get in the CEO shoes and be like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yep. I don't think, I don't know if it will always work, but at the very least it kind of <clears throat> slows them down <laughs> and gets them to see yeah. your point of view. So the way you could do that, and I, it's all about, like you said, it's all about context. So you can't say, how am I supposed to do that? And kind of like, you know, explode. But you got to yeah. say, you know, I don't remember us really going over that. Um, you know, given your position, how do you think I should, you know, approach this? Because I don't, obviously, I've got to get that approved. How do you think I should do this? How do you think I should go about doing this? And yeah. obviously, it, like you said, it's not going to work 100% of the time. Some people are going to say, yeah. well, uh, you just make it happen, buddy. Yeah, um, that's your job. Yeah, If you get the alpha, <laughs> he's going to be like, yeah. I don't care. Just make it happen, right? Yeah. Um, but no, a lot of people are going to say, you know, well, here's what I, you know, here's where maybe you could approach it, you know, to get this pushed through. And sometimes they'll say, you know, uh, that's what we would like. And you may get some, I think if you hand the control back to them, Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's really about because all negotiations yeah. are a sense of, it's a, it's a battle of control in some degree, uh, or that's the way it appears sometimes. And that's, you know, you're per, everybody's always on the defensive in those situations. And so yeah. when you, when you, you know, you hand control back over to them, I think a lot of the defenses start to go down. And so it's easier yeah. to talk. So Absolutely. Uh, I think that's a this good reminds move. me this reminds me of a an article I read which was based on uh, a Bible story. So Michael Masterson wrote an article one time a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Ford, Michael Masterson depending on Yeah. what you know about that world. <laughs> um he he talked about there's the Bible story where I think um who was it King David somebody came to King David and said, "Hey, there's this thing going on in the in in your kingdom and this guy did this and mm-hmm what do you think we should do about it? And David was like, we should, we should kill that guy. Like we should punish him. And then the, I can't remember who it was. Yeah. The, you Bible scholars can fill in the blanks, but, and then he was like, well, actually King, that was you. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's, it's kind of that thing. It's like, how do you, you're kind of asking them for their opinion yeah, so that they can see it a little more clearly than if it's, you know, them. So, yeah. All right. Well, I thought my, my favorite one was, um, actually number one 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, you know, as a copywriter, like one word, well, who's a Mark Twain said the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. Right. You know, it's a big difference. So this was cool. Instead of saying something like, hey, our list price or our typical price or our standard price, right. all no-nos, right? Because mm-hmm. that just makes people feel like a commodity. Yep. Say approved price. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't sound off the, off the top like a big deal or a big difference. In fact, when I first read it, I was like, oh, it sounds a little stodgy. I don't know if I like approved price. It sounds right. a little off-putting. But then I read the numbers. And according to one study, the length using approved price versus list price increases or extends. No, let's see. Uh, this list price, if you use list price, it extends the sales cycle by 19%. So it makes the sales cycle longer. It triples the time you spend discussing pricing. Mm, wow. If you say approved price, you actually save whatever that is, mm-hmm. two thirds time by saying approved price. And the reason is the buyer believes the price was set someone outside of your control and can't be changed. Right. As opposed to, well, if it's list price, then everybody knows kind of like MSRP, right? Because we're all trained by Walmart and Amazon that there's MSRP or or car dealerships that there's the list price and then, oh, what's everybody else really pay, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to use the term list price. Yep. You want to use approved price, which sounds more official, more final, um, and less haggle. Sure. You can't haggle it as much. Yep. Um, But yeah, the fact that you can, you can save a lot of time on that was, I thought was very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. When once you say that, it feels like it's it's non negotiable. This has already been mm-hmm. <laughs> this is pretty much exactly. set, you know. Yeah, especially if it's a multiple. Yeah. Um, well, well, even not a multiple sales. I mean, just yeah. When you get to price and say, "Look, this is this is the approved price," you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of out of my hands. Yeah. And and that's a good stance for a salesperson because, as we know, as salespeople, it, it's easy to to drop back and want to punt mm-hmm. too soon. Um. It's like salespeople that have three things to sell. You know, it's it's always dangerous Absolutely. compared to having one thing yep. to sell. So <clears throat> it's just too easy at the end of the week when you want to go home to just quote the lower price. Right. You know, but then you regret it later. I shared this list with Rachel because she's doing on the real estate side of our business, doing more investment opportunities and reaching out to potential sellers. And I think that, you know, one of the things that she does in her business, I think is, you know, sending out a, a list of like, here's three options, you know, uh, you know to the seller, you know, from a um, investor standpoint, you know, yeah. you could tweak this a little bit to make it work. But uh, yeah, you could say approved offer. Yep, exactly. Um, so what's your next favorite? So we talked about number one and seven or number one and six. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see. The other one I have was if you're somebody that represents a company out there, you might yes. have a tendency to implement we, but uh, you should always use I make it very personal uh, yep. because uh, buyers will be, they're more inclined to push back against an organization than they are you. Right. Right. So if you make things more personal, uh, they're less likely to push back when it comes to, when it gets down to the meat of the negotiation or price negotiation, for instance, instead of saying we have a great price, uh, they'll have a harder time pushing it back, you know, pushing back against you. If you say I have this price. Yeah. And it's, 
this is a thing that you kind of switch because in the beginning, especially if you're, if you're working for a big corporation that has a lot of clout and credibility, you want to use we in, in the intro phase, um, discovery phase, things like that. You want to use we because we is, right. it shows that you're not a lone wolf out there. So there's, you don't want to, it's not that you don't want to use we, it's when you get to the actual closing and the pricing and the, the let's do this deal together. It That's when you want to switch to I. Yeah, exactly. Because now it's now it's a team thing, right? Now it's you and the customer, right? You know, and and that's it's subtle, but it does make a big difference. Yep. And it's interesting. So using we in the in the pricing discussion um, doubles. Like if you use we at least according to this little chart I'm looking at, so two point four times compared to one point three times mm-hmm. is you're more likely to close. So. Um, you want to use it a couple times throughout the the conversation. Like I have a great price for you. Um, I'm pleased to, I'm pleased to offer you this approved price on our product. Mm -hmm. Or I'm excited to offer you this approved price on our product or something like that. Right. Um, I think my one I liked, and I use this a lot when I was in home selling Mm -hmm. was the F word. I was about to mention that being my next one, which I like a lot. Yeah. I used this a lot when I was, I, I still use it in copy as well. Yeah. Um, and the F word that we're talking about <laughs> is fair. Yep. This is an interesting statistic. Top performers use the word fair 1.7 times in each deal. Average and low performers just 0.2 times in each deal. So you want to use phrases like, would that be fair? Isn't that fair? Mm-hmm. Does that sound fair? Right. Sometimes you just say fair, fair Would enough. that be fair? I fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that, you know, especially in conversation. I mean, yeah. you can use these in different ways, but in conversation, you think that would be fair, you know, just in a, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Those little places where you're looking for affirmation to kind of see yeah. if you're on the right track. It's a great time to use those. Yeah. Um, I say fair enough a lot. Like, Fair enough. Yeah. And they're like, yep. Fair yeah, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And they're like, all right. So, it, and if not, they'll, they'll usually tell you, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's a good place to kind of, it's a good thing, way to yeah, flesh out any early problems as well. Yeah. And it comes, I'll give you an example. A lot of times when I'm dealing with manufacturing, um, some of my manufacturing customers, I will say, you know, if it's a new account or if it's, if it's a prospect out there and I'm trying to land their business, a lot of times I'll have to, you know, one of the first stages obviously is to send them material for trial purposes so they can run it through their lab. And then ultimately from a production standpoint, you know, run it through their process. So typically what I'll say is, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll send you this amount of material for you to test at no charge if you'll just pay the freight. Is that fair? You know, so usually, you know, I'll follow that up. Do you think that's fair? And nine times out of 10. Yeah. I mean, they'll say, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's no problem. So, uh, yeah. Cause that's an easy, that's an easy win, especially when you start it with what you're going to do for them first. Right. And then you, <laughs> you follow it up with, by the, except for, not going to pay the freight on this. You can pay the freight. Yeah. And that'd be great. I mean, if you're thinking about copy or things like that, you could use that exact example you just gave for like a free plus shipping offer mm-hmm. for, 
you know, you could state your guarantee and then yeah. said, if you're willing to give this an honest try mm-hmm. for 30 days, I'll back it with this guarantee. Right. Is that fair? Yep. If exactly. so, let's get started today. Right. Hit the buy now button, whatever. So yeah, people and fair is one of those words. I think it's kind of one of those NLP words. Mm-hmm where it's very like polarizing, it's very clear what it means. So yeah. it's kind of ha- what happens, I think, in people's brains is when you say, is that fair? Their their brain is instantly like, well, it's not unfair. Unfair is like cheating. It's like unfair is really bad. Right. So anything short of really bad, like dishonest, mm-hmm. must be fair. Yep. Right. So I may not like it or I may not necessarily agree with it, but I can't argue that it's not fair. Right. And I think that's why that, that word is so powerful just yep. to kind of get into psychology. All right. Um, Let's jump on to uh, the CTAs. So CTAs, got? what is the 43 highly effective email CTAs? Yep. Uh, for cold emails. I love this. Yeah. So, so this is, you know, you want to, you want to try to get to the next step with people. That's the idea here. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, these are CTAs that, like you just said, in cold emails, reaching out, maybe a LinkedIn outreach, maybe a DM even, you know, different ways you could use this. I love the, I, all of these are so good, man. Yeah, they're all, they're all strong and they all reminded me of the famous nine word email. So yep. if you're familiar with the, the nine word email, you could almost use any of these as a standalone idea, yeah. um, but you could also oh, use yeah. them at the end or the beginning of a email or somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So what jumped out at you? Cause you seem excited about this. So I'm, I'm curious to see which ones like jumped out at you um, through all of them. So there's so many. So, um, you know, what sounds the most intriguing about this? I, I like this. Does it make sense to chat about? Because that's, that's a great way to preface. Cause a lot of times in emailing, you know, sometimes back and forth, you know, the, you'll generate some interest. Uh, sometimes, you know, you're left with, okay, what, well, you know, what's the next step, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what do you, <laughs> do you want to move forward with a, a testing or, you know, cause it's, you know, it's kind of surface level, you know, attraction that you've generated, uh, from your email, you know, typically a lot of people are left with, okay, what's the next step? And usually I say, well, do you have time for a meeting? But I like this. Does it make sense to chat about and then you insert positive outcome. Um, right. So let's, let's apply that to your world mm-hmm. just to give it some, some meat. Yeah. Um, so you might say something like, does it make sense? So you've just kind of laid out some things and maybe an email, you know, maybe you followed up with something, but yeah, does it make, and you're trying to move it to an appointment, right? So I think you could even tweak this a little bit more. So does it make sense to chat about whatever the positive outcome is? I think I might even add to try to get the appointment. I might even add like for you, cause you go on site mm-hmm. at your facility yep. so that we can, you know, something like that. Cause I know there's things you do when you get there to kind of evaluate and stuff like that. And then it kind of, it's like, Oh, this is an appointment. Right. So yeah. the, the only thing I don't like about some of these is that they could be very yes or no. Um, right. which I guess is what you're trying to do. Well, it, you're trying to, to move me, it's, to the next it's perfect. Yeah. Because if right. they say no, then it's, it's like, okay, done. You've, you've answered, you've dequalified yourself and I don't want to go right. any further, you know, in right. fact, you've helped me, you've kept me from wasting my time. So I say it's a yeah. positive that you want yeah. to elicit yes or no questions. 
But I would start by saying, is this worth chatting about further? If they say no, then that, that answers all your questions of the world. They're totally shut down to the fact yeah. that uh, there's Good even point. anything remotely that you can help them with. So you just move on, you know, you're moving on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like, I like a lot of these because people love to close loops. I mean, they don't like open loops. You know, it's always good right. to ask questions. I, you know, we learned a long time ago, the worst thing that you can do is say, just checking in to see if you would, you're available for a meeting, blah, 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 without really asking the question. You know, people do that all the time. It's like that beating around the bush and you've got to get to the ant, you know, you've got to get straight to what your objective is. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if we actually said on the last, on last episode, um, we were talking about different ideas and I, I either teased or maybe I said, but it's worth bringing up again. Um, when we were looking at David Newman's stuff, one of the tips he gave on the webinar I was on was always end your email with a question. Yep. Absolutely. So you could use these questions mm-hmm. to end your email. And, mm-hmm. and it was important. He made a <clears throat> distinction. Like you don't say, the question like, does it make sense to chat about X? Yeah. Look forward to talking to you. Yeah. Jonathan, you right. say, does it make sense to chat about outcome? Mm-hmm. Jonathan, mm-hmm. you don't put anything in between the signature and that last question. Right. Because it kind of sort of closes the loop. If you, if you, you know, say something like looking forward to hearing from you, cause mm-hmm. you kind of let them off the hook with the question. Yeah. Right. So you want to leave the hook with the question at the end of the email. And that's a secret to get the email. Cause mm-hmm. like you just said, Jonathan, people can't stand that open loop no. of having a question hanging there. Absolutely. And I've noticed, and I've, I can go back in this and I don't know, I haven't like, you know, run the statistics, but I can tell you from my experience, when you open, when you have a question, when you finalize your email with a question, it gets a, a much, much higher response rate every time. Right. So what's one of your other ones? Then we'll go to like, um, a, then we'll go to the second part of this document real quick. But so what's one other of your favorite in the top section here? All of these have the solution. So you have to insert whatever your solution is, whether your product right. or your solution can help them. But could, you know, solution uh, help your team produce the outcome, obviously, that you're you know, trying to achieve for them faster. You know, that's a good, to me, that's a good question. Could our product help your team reduce your material usage and ultimately your cost? Right. So Uh, there's, you know, there's some assumption on this that you, you know a little bit about what's going on, right? right. So you've got to be able to have this, have, you've probably going back and forth a few times and now you're trying to get to the next phase. So you have some data to fill in these questions. The one I really liked was number four mm -hmm. because it kind of, brings out people's competitive juices a little bit and like their, um, so it's like, want to hear how company name, like somebody else yeah, has helped teams in your space, like, right. or has, has, you know, gotten a result mm-hmm. in your space. Cause now they're like, Oh, somebody else is doing this. I want to yeah. hear about, everybody wants to know what their competition is doing. Right. Right. So if you can show, a similar company has gotten some results. That's, that's going to pique their interest. Sure. Um, and, and give you an opening. Yep. Cause everybody's curious about what the next person's doing. Yep. I think, I think what? we've proven that with social media. <laughs> so. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, what I like about a lot, a lot of these questions, like we were talking about earlier, it, it hands the control back to your uh, prospect and mm-hmm. that's ultimately what they want to do because 
you know, the old saying is people love to buy, but they hate to be sold to. And yeah. so when they sense that you're, <clears throat> you're giving them control, um, by asking them questions that they, you know, can answer, uh, yeah. you know, like, you know, the, I mean, then you're giving them, you're handing control back to them, which makes them feel like they're part of it and they're not getting sold to. So they're more likely to be a part of or answer or respond to your process or yeah, to, and your, to your point earlier, it's like you're actually giving them the opportunity to say no. Right. Like, absolutely. And which is that's attractive. Yeah. People love that. Right. Yeah. And copy, we don't want to do that. Right. Cause we, we can't control that as much. I mean, we, we will at some point, but yeah. no, I, I was thinking more like opening questions and things like that. Mm-hmm. You, you wouldn't want to use these. Well, the next section is called specific CTAs for deals. We'll pick one or two of these and we'll call it a wrap. But mm-hmm. um, this is where you're actually trying to set the appointment. You're actually trying to get the deal. Any of the, these are pretty standard, but the fact is, man, these have been working for like 50 to a hundred years. Like, yeah, I, I like the ones the alternative that, clothes basically is what most of these are. I, I use a lot of these, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to, but you know, I, I like to, put a definitive, whether it's an in-person meeting or a conference call, I like to say, uh, do you have time for a brief or a quick call or a brief meeting? And usually I'll say something in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 minutes, because typically, you know, their time's valuable. And right. And all of these questions they're saying, for instance, they all say something like, how about a quick call on day time? Right. Do you do that as well? Or do you do you go ahead and offer a day and a time? Yeah, I do. Every time uh, I mention, and, and, but usually I give them an option. So I'll throw out yeah. not one day or one time, but I'll mention, uh, would you have uh, time for a quick call either this yes. day or this time or this time? And usually it's a morning time or an afternoon time. And they'll yes. throw out, usually they'll reply back, well, you know, either morning or afternoon's better. So, yeah, and I think when you offer two to three times, mm-hmm. um, and I do the same thing, I kind of spread them throughout the week. Yep. Um, and morning, evening type stuff. Yep. It it shows them that you're you're trying to be flexible. Right. Exactly. Whereas if you just throw one out, they're gonna be like, "No, that didn't work for me." <laughs> Especially <laughs> if they're busy right. and they're they're having a bad right. day. And then and then it makes you look silly when you come back. Well, you know, uh, what about this day? What about this like, day? Because it mean it looks like you have nothing planned on your calendar. So right, it, you eliminate that if you give them two or three options. You know, to right. begin, and they with. see you've made an effort exactly. to be flexible. Right. So they usually come back with either they pick one of those times, right. which often they do, mm-hmm. or they're like, no. But, you know, some people sometimes ask me like, well, do you have a calendar link where I can pick something? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Yep. Let me send you a calendar link. Or they'll sure. say, hey, can you find a place on my calendar? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that works too. Yep. But it keeps the conversation going and you get the appointment. That's right. that's the point of all of these. Yep. Um, and all of these questions are some version of you're getting to a specific day or time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I love it. There's always, I love the one with the objective. I think it's 35 with getting uh, blank by day and time. You throw out the day and time, help move things yeah, so forward. That, so, that, so that would be like a, how about a demo? Like would right. getting a demonstration of our product exactly by Thursday at 5 oh, PM yep. help you move things forward Yep. Exactly. or getting a brochure or, you know, a quote or whatever mm-hmm. by X time and day yep. help you move things forward. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'd be great. Yep. Awesome. So 
Yeah, these are these are powerful things. They they seem simple and mm-hmm. they are, but simple is often effective. <laughs> So. Yeah. And we need reminders of these because we forget about yeah. this so often. So it's great yeah. to have, um, I guess, Sean, we can, we can put the links on to the show page over at, uh, at yeah. this episode. Right. Yeah. Well, the company that I got these from is, is, um, the name of the company is Gong G O N G. Okay. And if you go to their homepage, I think, um, you sign up for their list and they just like, have a lot of these types of little reports mm-hmm. that they hand out. Yeah. So they're very B2B focused, but if you're a smart B2C person, you deal with consumers or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, it doesn't take much to tweak yeah. a B2C sure. thing, but they are a B2B company. Right. You do have to like opt in and give them your name and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they are, these are lead gen sheets obviously for them, Yeah, uh, but there's, we only covered, you know, a fraction of what what's covered. And like I said, there's others. Um, it is obviously not gong.com. So I don't know what the actual, see, that's interesting. They don't have gong. They don't have their website on these pages. Not smart. <laughs> <laughs> that's not smart at all. They can, they, they do connect to LinkedIn on both of these sheets. So, um, but yeah, it's gong. They are a revenue intelligence platform, whatever that means. So interesting. Their handouts are better than their own marketing. How about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they give away, I mean, this is really good stuff that they're giving away. So. Yeah. Um, hey, look at that. They look, they've got a job opening in Austin. Maybe I should go talk to them. <laughs> there you go. Director wow. of sales development. Bingo. You would be so, the man. Yeah. You would like, be the man. How come I can't find your website on your on your outreach materials. Mm. Sounds so, like they need a lot of help. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, these are good things. We'll, yeah, we'll find the links. Um, we'll put them on the show notes at persuasion by the pint.com. Absolutely. All right. Good I think that's stuff. a wrap. Yep. That's a wrap. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Again, as Sean said, uh, persuasion by the pint. And if you want to see the notes, this would be episode 269. 269. Wow. We're getting, getting, close, we're to getting close to that 300. You know, Sean, I think we'll hit the 300 mark probably close to the uh, latter part of the year, you know, the way yeah. we're going. So, yeah. Cool. About to be, have a big, a huge celebration. We should invite like four or five of our best guests on and like That's have right. a little round oh, robin or something like absolutely. that. Absolutely. Start working fun. towards setting that up. Sounds like a plan to uh, all of our listeners. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Uh, PersuasionbyThePint.com. You can find us on every platform imaginable. Plus, you can find us on Facebook, our Facebook group of Persuasion by the Pint. Just do a quick search. And, uh, Sean, we'll see you next time. Next week, um, I think we'll have, actually, I think I've got two guests lined up for next week. So. Oh, cool. Very nice. All right. Have a good one. See ya. See ya.